Too. This was la- on last night's Stephen Colbert show. Who will face off in the next Democratic debates? Two nights, ten candidates each night. Watch the lineup take shape in an unprecedented live event. The draw for the CNN Democratic debates. But before the draw, CNN presents the draw draw, where we draw to see how we draw for the draw. Will it be? Wolf Blitzer slathered in honey and rolled in candidate photographs. Whoever sticks to his chest is on the first night. On his ass, the second. Chris Cuomo sitting on eggs. The order they hatch is the order they're drawn. John King strapped to the wheel of chaos. Or simply David Gergen flipping a coin over a bit of knives. It's all happening on CNN this Wednesday on the Draw Draw. Right after Draw 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 Love Island. That's wow. hilarious. I love that. Wolf Blitzer smothered in honey and rolling in candidates' pictures. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh, that's funny. If you stick to his front or his back, that's how you know which night you're on. <laughs> you know, the, the number. Flipping a coin over a bit of knives. <laughs> I think that may be a great description of where CNN is, how pathetic they've become. I mean, how many Americans are actually watching those debates or in their entirety or even substantially? There's a chunk, but who wants to watch the drawing to see what debate night the various people are on show? I mean, if that has 30,000 viewers, I'd be shocked. Well, then that's you looking at it as a TV show getting viewers. How about just the dignity of it? I mean, it's it's a a debate to see who's going to be a candidate to run for the most powerful office in the world. And you're turning it into a, a game show spectacle. It's just... Well, and of no interest, if you tell me tomorrow who's on what night, I'll be fine. That's something, though. That's where we are. Wow, that's where CNN is. Mockable enough that Stephen Colbert thought to, that, that it should be mocked. Yeah. That's pretty funny, though. Over a pit of knives. <laughs> John King, strapped to the wheel of chaos. <laughs> Not bad, I'd watch. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's I, I, I believe this fully. And it's tough to to not just sound like it's more talk radio hyperbole right. in the world of talk radio and cable news hyperbole. But we might be going through, I think we are going through, as interesting a time as has existed in hundreds of years on planet Earth. Keeping in mind that Henry Kissinger, who was uh, one of the great geopolitical thinkers, everybody agrees on that. He was Secretary of State 50 years ago. Even if you hated him, he was a mover of uh, tectonic plates. He wrote a book a couple of years ago called World Order, and he said there's more world disorder than there has been in almost 500 years. That's saying something. And that just the entire idea of uh, Western civilization and its dominance over the world is breaking apart, and that that is going to just unleash all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, almost all of it horrifically ugly. I would Pro- guess. Probably before some other order comes about, and who knows how long yeah, that could take. We will, we will keep order. And, and, you know, how long that could take. And you got this situation with, and this, this is in the news today. So we are not going to sell our best military planes to Turkey, a NATO ally, because they decided to go ahead and take the Russian um, anti-aircraft system. Right. 
and we don't want those two meld together, and we're worried that they'll take information, our secret information from our best plane and give it to the Russians, blah, blah, blah. Right. Why is this important? Turkey is the most powerful country, militarily speaking, in NATO. The most powerful military in NATO, outside of the United States, obviously, is Turkey. Wow. And they are now in bed with the Russians. Yeah. How long do they get to stay in NATO? Well, and and one more layer on this, if I might. The uh, Obama administration was trying to work out this missile defense deal, too, and they couldn't come to a deal with Turkey, and now the Trump administration is in the same boat, which is why the Turks turned to the Russians. But the reason both of the administrations were hesitating to sell them these advanced uh, missile defense systems is Erdogan and the Turkish regime has swung so far toward the Islamist that we don't know if we can trust them. We don't know what kind of frenemy they are anymore. So I'm just using these news stories of today to make the overarching point. So you got the Turkey-NATO thing. The greatest disorder in the world in the last 500 years. Of, of not having a stable, this is, you know, how things are going to be. Who knows where it's going to go? You've got, obviously, the political situation that's going on, as both parties are just tearing themselves apart, and all over the country, all the democracies, the major parties are have either disappeared or they're being torn down. And what news is going to come out of that? Nobody has any idea. Then you throw in the Internet and social media, taking another story from today. Twitter has decided to hide the number of likes that you get from your viewers, seeing if maybe that will help with the whole, I'm so caught up in likes and it's destroying my self-image and making me crazy thing. But, wow, I hadn't heard that. People are being driven, like that people are being that. driven to suicide and opioid abuse because of... Social media, and it's tearing apart of politics. All of these things happening at the same time. There might not be, you'd have to go, maybe go back to the Middle Ages when there's been this much chaos at such a high level all around the world and in every aspect of our lives. Right, and even more than the change is the pace of change. Right. You can't, I mean, you, you yeah. can have one kingdom after another, or queendom, is that a word? Uh, owning Florida. You know, one after the other over the course of like 310 years. But that's fine. Yeah. You know, the, the, the people adjusted. They went back to chewing on each other's faces and getting yeah. eaten by gators. You go back to the Middle Ages, you had all kinds of chaos, but things were going to be roughly the same in 10 years. Right. Even if it was terrible. There's no telling what things are going to be like in 10 years. Yeah. Just absolutely no telling what countries might be at war, who the dominant powers are, what the political parties will be like, how we live our lives with social media and 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 and. and People not getting married and having and, kids and anymore. Socialism, for that matter. No, I don't think. Do you think that's hyperbole? That's no. just. I, no, I, I don't think it is at all. We've always it might be fine. Honestly. Oh sure. Oh sure. sure. People will try as hard as they can to find solutions as we go, but it's going to be an enormous challenge, at least. We've always mocked the idea that you know these are such bad times. To how could you have a child in this world? And well, there's always still stupid, there's always but... been crazy times, but there's never been this much disorder in. Politics with the biggest countries, the uh, the, the relationships between the, the different countries, and then the Internet, how that throws everything up in the air. Absolutely everything. The economy, jobs, how are people going to be making a living in 20 years? Nobody AI, knows. Right. Uh, throw in AI, throw in nuclear proliferation, and uh, yeah, you got... You got an interesting stew. God, I'd say. And if and if you're getting caught up in the day to day, Trump tweeted this about AOC Trump and she tweeted back. Mean. Geez, you're missing this whole story. Yeah, yeah, I know.
It's how bad our media is and how dumb our politics are. But you know, I don't, I don't know that there's any choice but to just kind of, you know, get on uh, the surfboard of life and ride out the changes in the waves. Right. It's impossible to anticipate where this stuff's going. Or I, I hope I live long enough to see how some of this stuff turns out. I watched Trump last night with just that that you know looking at the big picture aspect. I did I say picture? I meant to say picture. Yeah, um, looking, looking at the big picture aspect of this of this like like France, like Italy, like Brexit and Great Britain, like every other country, we are changing our politics. We are we are recreating the parties, or the parties are going away. Trump last night is part of it, just mm-hmm. the big picture of it, as opposed to they're chanting this, and what does that mean? I just, oh, whatever. Well, as many smart people have observed, that Trump did not create the wave he wrote on it. No way. And there are a lot of issues with, uh, with your standard model of Western republics. I hate to use democracy because we're not a democracy. But anyway, there's, there are a, a bunch of issues that have arrived that our modern democracies are getting more and more corrupt and uh you know the the deficit spending the politics are getting dumber the you know socialism which is a system which never will work and never can work is creeping in and so it could be argued that all right we need these changes again we're not creating the wave the wave was created by the various things i mentioned and that we the people are finally understanding these political parties aren't representing us at all they're representing themselves they're representing the government which is now its own giant rich uh, constituency and so people are saying yeah that's no good we need change now unfortunately to my mind the change that we're asking for is all the wrong change but it's in i guess what i'm saying is a lot of this is inevitable We'll smear Wolf Blitzer in honey and have him roll in candidates' pictures. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. I might actually have to tune into that and see and just to see I tell you what, how it's... over the top they take this in attempt, uh, attempted spectacle. Well, the very premise of the thing is fully into so bad it's good. Oh, oh no doubt. I mean, it's, it's so idiotic I can't even believe somebody thought it was a good idea, but... Yeah, I may have to watch. So they have the debate I'm taking it? So That's they'll have they're... the little blower machine going, the ping pong ball come up, and it's Marianne Williamson! Marianne Williamson! So, they'll... Mr. President, <laughs> right? if you're listening. <laughs> they'll play a, a quote of hers, a little video, and then they'll have her picture go whoop across the screen, bonk, into night one. There's a good video of Marianne Williamson at one of her deals the other day with a big giant crowd, and she had all the white people in the audience stand up and turn around and apologize to the black people in the audience <laughs> for something. Unless all the white people broke wind, I just don't <laughs> think that's really appropriate. Hey, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. We have one of the great political thinkers in my mind, Lon He Chen, later this hour. We'll talk to him about the... The politics of the day, whatever that means. Yeah, as long as you mention it, 415-295-KFTC for texts, or if you want to email, it's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. When the doctor finally came in, he was looking at it, and uh, he said, well, I know what's in your eye. He said, it's a tick. And that's when I got scared a little bit. A tiny deer tick right on his eye. Once he grabbed a hold of it and pulled it off, the tick made the, like a little popping sound when it came off my eye. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) 
So that is oh, a guy boy. who had a tick on his eye. Here's a tick in your eye. <clears throat> Ain't that a tick in your eye? He's a guy. He's uh, he thought he had some sawdust caught in there, and he just couldn't wash it out. So he finally went to the doctor. He's like, "That's no sawdust." It's a tick. Could be worse. You could have a tick in your eye. Yeah, think about that all day long. Don't. Complaining about <gasps> this or that. So terrible. Your boss gets on your back about Heard. something. Yeah, it could be worse. I could have a tick on my eye. Oh, hey, speaking of eyeballs, you remember yesterday we were talking about Elon Musk's girlfriend? Right. The, her, her workout regimen? Yeah, 31-year-old Claire Elise Boucher, or whatever she calls herself now. Grimes. Grimes. She, she, her name was Boucher, and she changed it to Grimes. I don't change. think she understands changing your name. You don't change it to something worse. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she does like two to four hours a day in a deprivation tank, and she's got all sorts of wacky stuff she does. But apparently she also said that she removed the top layer of her eyeball and replaced it with an orange polymer to block all blue light from her vision. And she actually do that? And Is that a thing? Eye care professionals, eye surgeons are saying, you did what? So it's not a thing. No, not really, said uh, former FDA research scientist. Whatever the surgery is, it's unnecessary and a terrible idea. <laughs> Why to would block it... all what light? Blue light. Blue light. That's the light that uh, comes off your screens and stuff. And keeps you awake at night. Yeah, I do the blue light block on my phone because I just, I love that. I find that so, if, if, if that isn't on... On my phone, I can recognize it immediately. That's interesting. I don't even know if mine's on or off, and, and oh, I, I don't can notice any keeping me awake effect whatsoever, so I must I've, not be sensitive I've never to noticed it. that, oh, Okay, the keeping me awake. But just the relaxing, the the blue light filter on your on your yeah. iPhone, you turn mm-hmm. that on, it's just, I don't know what, it's just... Right. Maybe you ought to shave off the top part of your eye and put an orange polymer on there. Huh? <laughs> that does sound like a good idea. And while we're being gross... Uh, I don't mean to be gross, but this is a medical story. Flesh-eating bacteria cases. Oh, man. On the rise in the United States. Got a guy in a Texas and a guy that looks like, and I'm looking at the map, is that Alabama or Mississippi? I get them mixed up. Which? Um, that's uh, Alabama. It actually looks like the panhandle of Florida. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, flesh-eating bacteria on the rise. So watch it. Don't get that. Warm, that's my swampy suggestion. water. My suggestion is don't get that. And if you notice your flesh is being eaten, go to your doctor. We're going to play a little bit of an interview later in the show with Tom Friedman. He's been making the rounds. Columnist for the New York Times. He wrote a column over the weekend that has been now for four days the most read and forwarded column in the New York Times. He's shown up on all kinds of different shows because his headline was, Trump's going to get reelected, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And it was the idea that as a lifelong Democrat and a guy who hates Trump and really hates all Republicans, Thomas Friedman... He watched the Democratic debate and thought, what the hell? This is insanity. <laughs> wow. At no, least I wasn't alone. No borders? Free health care for illegals? You're, you're going to do away with private insurance? What are you talking about? And when they'd ask who's in favor of this, everybody sheepishly put up their hands for all of it. Everybody. Because not a one of them. Had the courage to say, "Wait a minute, I don't, I don't believe in that." Not a what? Does that tell you everything you need to know about politics? Yeah. Anyway, more from his uh, one of his interviews later. But here's a little bit from his column that so many people have read. A couple of uh, quotes: "Spare me the revolution; it can wait. Win the presidency, hold the house, and narrow the spread in the Senate, and a lot of good things can be accomplished." No, you say. The left wants a revolution now. Okay, I'll give you the left a revolution now. Four more years of Donald Trump. He's saying, you want AOC, that crowd, you want to really just change everything, revolution. 
How about you just win gradually and change some things? Otherwise, Trump's going to win, and you're not going to like the revolution you get. That's what Tom Friedman's saying. You know, this is going to sound condescending, because it is. (laughs) I think so much of our politics right now are so adolescent. It's as if people have not, you know, held a job, paid bills, maybe raised kids, seen some ups and downs, lived with, uh, you know, lived among different sorts of people, and... And, and know something about human nature, and instead they have that, you know, high school, college view that that everybody's cool, and everybody's like my friends, and we can change it, and then we're going to take over the world. And you don't understand any of the realities of it, I wonder and, if- which is fine, because that's always existed, and that energy, that youthful desire for positive change is a good thing. But it's if it's not tempered by any common sense, or like adults in the room, then it's just dumb and history tells you it can be perverted by despots very easily and you turn those enthusiastic kids into you know whatever the the red guard the hitler youth the uh, pol pot's young henchman in uh, cambodia not to blame everything on social media but i wonder or and in you know smartphones but i just wonder if our attention span has gotten so short the idea of building things over years is just so unappealing i could be part of it i, I want I, don't know. I want my ideas to come true like tonight um, what's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, Trump lighting up another rally. We've got more highlights. We've got Rand Paul and John Stewart locked in a nasty battle. That's yeah, an interesting one. And the start of a trend, perhaps. One major city has decided to rename manhole covers. Coming up. Yeah. Now, the John Stewart, Rand Paul, it's not over his lawn, is it? It's not lawn clippings. It's an it actual population. That's ended badly in the past. Yeah. <laughs> it's not worked out in his favor. <laughs> Do you hear what Rush Limbaugh said about fiscal conservatism yesterday? That's getting a lot of attention. Maybe we'll ask Lon He Chen about that uh, coming up in a little bit. He's one of our favorite political pundits. I'm afraid to ask. Yeah, you're gonna, not going to like the answer. I think he, he's probably right. And I think he's right, too. Um, uh, also, I just saw the trailer for the new Quentin Tarantino film with oh, yeah. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. That looks freaking fantastic. Yep. Two guys that I've wanted to hate since they first came on the scene. It just Why? They're, too they're, pretty? Too pretty. They're just, I can't like them as a cool, tough guy, but they're both great. Mm. They're really good. That looks like an awesome movie. Are they shooting at people in this one, I'm oh, assuming? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looks awesome. I don't like the violence. They need a good French <laughs> film. A lot of talking and smoking. You like dancing. You like everything to be, the story to be told through song. Right. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump keeping up his attacks on four minority Democrats. During his rally in North Carolina last night, Trump painted the congresswomen as radical left-wing ideologues. Because they are. And he went on to say to them... And tonight I have a suggestion for the hate-filled extremists who are constantly trying to tear our country down. They never have anything good to say. That's why I say, hey, if they don't like it, let them leave. Let them leave. Let them leave. Uh, Trump Trump particularly targeted Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, who came to the U.S. from Somalia as a refugee when she was a child. Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. They're chanting. Yep. So you, you just you you said you, 
And she talked about the evil Israel, and it's all about the Benjamins. Not a good thing to say. So you said uh, Trump called them radical left-wing ideologues. Yes. I guarantee you, she wouldn't say it out loud, but I guarantee you Nancy Pelosi calls them that. Oh, yeah. And so does Thomas Friedman and a lot of other mainstream yeah. Democrats. So it's not it's not like a crazy thing to say. I'm not exactly sure what radical means in, in the modern right. world when people say it, but they're definitely left-wing ideologues. And with all the uh, backroom wheeling and dealing between Pelosi and the uh, foursome, you know, uh, I'm still uh, doubting their uh, pro, uh, their uh, protests that, no, 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 we're all getting along very well. We, we're, our people oh, no. are talking to one oh, yeah, another. Yeah, she asked for a face-to-face meeting yeah. with Nancy Pelosi, and Nancy's chief of staff said, yeah, we got that request. Uh, we're working a schedule. There. Right. I think yeah, it's, sure you are. I hadn't heard this. I think it's hilarious that one of Nancy's moves was to put AOC on a couple of committees yeah. that just drown you in paperwork right. and hearings, so you don't have to, if you're going to do your job, you don't have time to do anything else. Right. right. Oh, that would make me quit. <laughs> I'm on some boring committee that's not going to accomplish anything, and I'm in meetings all day long, and here's 50,000 pages you need to read this weekend, and like, no, I ain't doing it. The Earth Sciences Committee. Yeah, exactly. Senator Rand Paul is objecting to fast-tracking that bill that would provide health care to the September 11th attack first responders who become sick. The bill had overwhelmingly passed in the uh, House... Rand said, nah, he wants a debate on the bill because it includes new spending with nothing to offset the cost. He pointed to the nation's $23 trillion debt. That stonewalling really set off former Daily Show host John Stewart, who's been fighting hard for the 9-11 fund to be extended. Stewart was livid. It's absolutely outrageous, and you'll pardon me if I'm not impressed in any way by Rand Paul's fiscal responsibility virtue signaling. Uh, Rand Paul presented tissue paper avoidance of the $1.5 trillion tax cut that added hundreds of billions of dollars to our deficit. And now he stands up at the last minute after 15 years of blood, sweat, and tears from the 9-11 community to say that it's all over now. Now we're going to balance the budget on the backs of the 9-11 first responder community. Here's my Joe Getty take. They're both right and they're both wrong. First of all, John Stewart, did you just use the term balance the ba- balance the budget on the backs of dot, dot, dot? That is the worst sort of ridiculous, emotional, tired, political cliche. Stop it. Secondly, I appreciate Rand Paul. At least tipping his cap to the idea of, look, we're already in debt. You're talking about spending more money. What are we going to cut? Can we cut something, please? Is there anything we can cut? Thank goodness Rand Paul is saying that. On the other hand, John Stewart does have a point. There's been a hell of a lot of spending and cutting and this and that and the other. And then this feels a little bit like it's a high-profile thing that, that Rand thought would get a lot of attention. So he's, he's making the point again. I appreciate the point being made. I'm not sure now's the time to make it. The problem is every cause that comes along right. is really important to somebody. Right. And, and you never get around to uh, asking what it costs. Right, right. The optics of this one are particularly tough. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Berkeley, California is getting rid of all gendered words in the city's codes. 
Oh, boy. The city council has moved forward on an ordinance aimed at eliminating both masculine and feminine pronouns and words from the municipal code. Do tell. Several commonly used terms will be changed to gender-neutral forms. Well, give me an example. I mean, does it say... Uh, you can't crosswalk or he will be charged $25? That would, that would seem no, odd. No, no, no. For example, fireman will now become firefighter. Policeman will be police officer. And manhole cover will become maintenance hole. Nice if job, they, maintenance hole. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised they hadn't done the firefighter and the police officer thing yet. Right. Um... I think if you are a woman and somebody is refers to police officers and that really offends you, that you need to calm down. But um, I get why you'd change the you could maintenance change it, hole. But manhole cover? Maintenance <laughs> hole, yeah. Really? Yep. Going to go through and change all of the references to gender in the municipal code. Yeah. What? Is this going to cost like a million dollars or something to do? There'll probably be some related yeah. costs, some expenses. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. What'd you go? Make uh, the, this hole. the audio thing that you had me from the, the doctor guy from TV, it's really good. Oh, yeah, we got that yeah. We got that coming up. We're going to pair yeah. that with Joe's thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gotcha. That, yeah. Um, more on, uh, well, more on a lot of different things. We're going to talk to Lon He Chen in just a little bit and uh, something that Rush Limbaugh told a caller yesterday, which, which is getting a fair amount of attention in all political circles. And, Why would um, he take a call? <laughs> and, uh, and, and it just, it makes my heart sad. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. There's too much sadness in the, on today's show. Too much uh, discouragement. We need uh, something positive. How about this? This is a uh, California city that's uh, doing something that's not stupid. Petaluma, California, had a big rat problem, and they hired some guys uh, to uh, to use high-powered precision air rifles to kill the vermin. Large properties like vineyards and organic dairies or poison or spring traps are not an option. With the right order authorizations, they believe they could successfully eradicate the colony. By all definitions, I am a firearms novice. What is an air rifle? What well, is... I don't know what they mean in this case. If they mean a pellet gun or just a uh, that fires regular bullets but uses air? And... Yeah, I don't know. I don't see any sort of uh, description of the ordinance here. An air rifle, Sean, just uh, motivates the bullet to leave the gun uh, by use of pressurized air as opposed to gunpowder. Gotcha. gotcha. But uh, I've never, I've, I've got a pretty powerful air rifle pellet gun sort of way, but I wouldn't try to kill a rat with it. Not from much of a distance, anyway. You ought to use mine. <laughs> would, it kill a, would, it, would it kill a rat from Sounds a good like distance? Sounds like a major league fastball yeah. hitting a catcher's mitt. Thump! Does it kill him? Yeah, I, it does. Yeah, well, I'm number one. I would not torture an animal. I would not injure well, it. Well, that'd be my concern. Yeah, all they have to do is just give you the information. Sometimes they're <laughs> <laughs> that's a little dark. Um, well, that's hilarious. That is Couldn't hilarious. Turn to oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there there needs to be a coup de gras. Yeah, that's that's why a twenty two is the answer right there. I'm not sure it is where I'm doing my hunting. Kapooya! I think I might end up in handcuffs if I did that. Use a 22. There used to be a rat right there. My hood ain't exactly like your hood. I can't do that in my hood. <laughs> Lon He Chen on the politics of the day next. Armstrong and Getty.
and Getty Show. You know, I suppose it's just human nature that we tend to elevate the issues that matter the most to us. Uh, That's why I'm calling for abandoning the designated hitter. I hate it. We certainly elevate them in our own mind, and then we kind of see the the world of politics through those issues. And, you know, some people, your your main issue is abortion or gun rights or how about something from the other side? Free college for everybody. Both of those issues have two sides, so. Free health care for everybody. So you're constantly thinking about that. Maybe I've been elevating this one a lot longer and a lot more than I should have because it's so important to me. If I was going to define my political needs and philosophy, at the in the very first sentence would be fiscal conservative. Right. But I'm not thinking many other people care about it. This is getting a lot of attention. Yesterday, a caller to the Rush Limbaugh show said, there's going to be a $1 trillion deficit next year, Rush. Trump doesn't really care about that. He's not really a fiscal conservative. To which Rush Limbaugh replied, nobody is a fiscal conservative anymore. All this talk about concern for the deficit and the budget has been bogus for as long as it's been around. Well. Well, exactly. Well. On that okay, note. Okay, well then, I guess. Um, please welcome Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies, Lecturer at Stanford, and the uh, Director and High-Placed Aide of Presidential Candidates uh, in the past. Lon He, how are you, sir? Great to be with you. How to, are you? To take Great. that one step further before you comment on that. So Trump didn't mention the deficit at all in this State of the Union address, which we mentioned. I think we mentioned it with you the day afterwards. And uh, a report came out that Mick Mulvaney, his acting chief of staff, was uh, was was asked, no mention of the deficit in the State of the Union. He said, nobody cares, was his response to it. Russia's response, Mulvaney's response, Trump's attitude, is that where we are with politics in America? Do you think nobody cares? I, I don't think it's true that nobody cares. I think it's true that fewer people care than was the case a few years ago, and fewer, fewer people care than probably should. Uh, this is a serious challenge. I mean, arguably, it's our biggest challenge. I think back to when, uh, during the Obama administration, I forgot exactly which national security official it was, but a very high-ranking national security official, I think it was the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time, that the biggest threat we face to our national security is actually our debt. Clearly true. Uh, because... Because because it because it imperils our ability to fund our military in the future, right? If you think about the increasing burden that we're placing on coming generations, and somebody's got to pay that bill at some point. I'm not just talking about military spending here. We're thinking about the big programs that are driving all of this spending increase. Well, oh, sure. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and Joe agrees, and, and you agree, and it matters to us, but you've run political campaigns. If you're out there trying to win an election... I'm getting the sense, based on what Rush Limbaugh said, that that's not the issue you highlight. No, it's not. And and I, I think you saw that in the 2016 cycle. I think you saw it even in 2012, which is the cycle I worked closely in with, uh, with Mitt Romney. You know, it was an issue that we wanted to highlight, and it just was not picking up the okay. level of traction okay. that we would I, hope. I give up then. Yeah. So you and Joe talk. I'm no longer talking about politics. It's, <clears throat> it's pointless. I'm going to sit down now. Well, yeah, I was going to waste everybody's time by pointing out that all of this uh, fiscal impending disaster exists at a time of historically low interest rates. Oh, and yeah. If, if the rate goes up 1%, that difference in the budget will be more than we spend on all of our men and women in uniform. We've got the best is, economy we've ever had, almost. Everybody's employed, and we're going to run a trillion dollar debt. Yeah, I mean, deficit. anyway, nobody deficit. 
Right. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. So what are you going to do? Got to move along. So you got the the squad, Lon, here, as I refer to them, the freshman cheerleader squad, because that's what they remind me of, um, exerting outsized influence and and got the giant social media accounts and Nancy Pelosi's having to react to them and the rest of it. And it's been going on for a little while. Can that outsized influence last, or are these four gals going to be a flash in the pan? Oh, well, I, I don't think they're a flash in the pan only because they are the ones driving the conversation. And, and it's not just the conversation right now. I mean, you think about uh, AOC as an example, who I guess is a member of this uh, so-called squad. She has been at the forefront of driving the message on Democratic Party politics, certainly for the entirety of this year. And the reality is that where they are on policy, which is on the far end of the progressive spectrum, that encapsulates a decent number of voters who are going to vote in the Democratic Party presidential primaries when we get to early next year. So I tend to think that they are in a better position. And frankly, with their use of social media and the way that they're able to manipulate the media generally, I think they're in a great position to influence the conversation well beyond just this period of time we're in. So that brings me to my next question. Is there any limit to the extent to which a candidate can go way left, or, or right for that matter, in a primary, and then say, wait a minute, I didn't mean that stuff, and come back to the middle in the, uh, in, in the general election? Or can you just say anything? Can you raise your hand and say, yeah, I think illegals should have free health care, and then walk that back if you for get instance. the nomination? Is that possible? Well, you know, it's tough. In this era of, of, you know, politics that we're in, it is a very different era than even just a few years ago. So I'm, I'm tempted to say that there are fewer repercussions for making crazy promises like the ones that we're hearing. I mean, my wow. instinct is, my <laughs> instinct is, look, no one should be able to get away with saying that, you know, as Kamala Harris said in an interview, I think it was yesterday on CNN, she basically said, well, I'm for Medicare for all, but I don't want tax increases on anyone in the middle class. If she thinks that's ever going to happen, I got a unicorn to offer her. I mean, it's 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 not. It is simply unrealistic to make those kinds of promises. But they're making them under the assumption, to the point you guys are making, that voters that, are stupid. They can just turn around in the general and say, "Ah, I didn't really mean that. Actually, here's what I meant." So we'll see if people are willing to hold them accountable. But I'm not convinced in this era that it matters as much what people say. Wow. I, I don't. I, what are politics now? Then what, what? What is the conversation? It's a Twitter poll. <laughs> and 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 if what you said is true, well then yeah, you should raise your hand for free health care for illegals. I Why guess. Not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Lon He Chen is on the line. Hey, Lon He, I've noticed lately <clears throat> the popularity of certain weasel phrases in politics. Uh, one of my favorites is they're talking about speaking of absurdities, the idea of slave reparations, and the the thing that, that like Cory Booker. And all the reasonable people say is yes, I'm I'm in favor of of, of starting a commission to study this. Right. I'm going to study this, and I'd imagine when we get to the general, they say, well, we really should study uh, Medicare for illegals because they're humans too. We're going to study it. What are some of your favorite weasel words and phrases in politics? Yeah, uh, we'll study it. Boy, that's something I'd like to consider. I hear that one a lot. Yeah. Boy, let, let, let's consider that. And it's like, well, yes, let's actually, let's do it right now. <laughs> and then tell me what you think. Why don't, we, why don't we do that now? Why don't we do that today? Yeah, um, that's a you know, great I'll, one. I'll consider it. We'll think about it. You know, this is an idea that's worth, worth discussing. And, and, and they do that because they want to signal, hey, you know, actually I'm with you. 
But the reality is they're never going to do anything about the particular thing they're talking about. And, and to get back to our conversation earlier about the general election versus the primary, this is exactly how some of these politicians get away with it. In the primary, they, they make it sound like they're for something. And then when they get to the general, they say, well, no, no, I never said I was for it. I just said I was going to consider it and study yeah, it carefully. Sure. And, and, and we can still study it. So, yeah, th- this is a big problem. You know, if I'm a single guy, I ask the really cute girl at workout, and she says, that is something we should really consider. <laughs> I'm going to walk away with a different feeling than if she said, hell no, never. Uh, yeah, true. Not going to happen. Hey, I was watching the Trump rally last night and thinking he would be unbeatable. This would be fantastic for him if it were July next year. Or October yeah. next year is is he peaking too soon? And is there anything you can do about that? The wind is just at his back right now. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's interesting because the the confluence of different factors is really setting up well for him. But it, you're right, it's setting up well about a year too early. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot he can do about it on the economy. The economy is what it is. For example, there are some things on the margins that will affect it. I, I think the Fed will play a role here, which is why you continue to hear him trying to influence what the Fed does. But ultimately, the, a lot of that policy lags a few months anyway. And then you've got other factors uh, like the Democrats basically blowing themselves up. There's no indication, by the way, that the Democrats are going to stop blowing themselves up. So maybe it's the case that it's not going to matter whether it happens now or next year. But it is certainly the case that he's experiencing, I think, a very, very good trend uh, a little bit early in the cycle. So we'll have to see what happens and keep an eye on it as we get to the fall. If I'm Trump's advisors, uh, I suggest he declares war on Canada next July and brings the war to a quick and victorious conclusion before the election (laughs) and just rides that way. That's my idea. Lonnie Chen, uh, I'm afraid we're out of time, but Lonnie Chen, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University, uh, also a research fellow at the Hoover Institution, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He, it's always enlightening. Thanks a million. Uh, looking forward to the next time. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Fiscal conservatism doesn't matter, and you can say anything you want. That doesn't matter. That's the takeaway from that conversation. Well, then. Yeah, no kidding. Oh.